another conversation from Loretta's front page. Conversations that need to be had and heard. So Annie, welcome to our discussion this morning. It's wonderful that you're able to take some time um, from your bereavement counselling work to join us in this conversation about you know, moving towards these special occasions, Christmas uh, and those times that we're coming towards that can be tricky for people who are in a state of grieving. So thanks very much for your time. That's a pleasure, Loretta. Happy to be here. Thank you. So, Annie, before we do dive into the conversation about how we can be supporting people who are coping with grief and who are who are grieving, especially at this time of year, would it be okay if we have a little bit of a chat first about the work that you do um, in at Hope Bereavement and the area that you support people with, um, which is suicide bereavement? Sure, Loretta. Look, I've been working um, in this area for about um, nearly 10 years now and in bereavement for nearly 20 years. Um, but the work that we do really is providing um, a range of supports for people who have been impacted by uh, the loss of someone to suicide. So sometimes it can be individual support in terms of counselling or it, it may be group support. Um, and we have a range of different groups that we offer to people. So. We believe that, um, you know, people should be given different opportunities, I guess, to, to get support because it is such a difficult thing to go through and experience. And, and everyone's grief can look and, and, and be different. So I'm, I'm guessing that the support they require really needs to be, um, you know, catered towards that. That's right. Everyone grieves differently and expresses it differently. And, you know, I often say to people that, you know, the way we are in life, who, who we are and the way we express ourselves is often how we will express ourselves around a loss or around grief. And so it's really important to know that everyone is so different and to, you know, to respect, I guess, their need for different opportunities to express their grief as well and to process it in their own way. That's really an interesting observation that who we are in life is who we are in grief. And and I think, um, you know, if we know ourselves and we can understand, you know, how we usually operate, then then we can feel okay in a way about how we're um, processing that grief. I think that, um, you know, part of my story too is we've had grief in our life with the loss of our son. Um, yes, but sorry to hear that. Thank you. But it's, yes. it's I, I worried about doing it right, in inverted commas. Yes. yes. And I, and I think that, um, you know, there were times when I was just very, um, I'm usually pretty loud and, and, you know, bubbly and those sort of things. But I know that, you know, in times of stress, I, I tend to get pretty quiet. And I had people who sort of say to me, oh, oh, you need to yell a bit more or you need to cry a bit more. Do you find that, that friends have really good intentions about supporting people in grief, but maybe they're not quite hitting the nail on the head? Absolutely. Look, I think, unfortunately, I think as a society, there are all sorts of rules out there in terms of how we should grieve and what we should do and how we should behave. And sometimes our friends really don't understand. If it's not happening to them, they're looking from outside, you know, over to you and thinking, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong with Loretta? Why isn't she being, you know, the, the Loretta that we know? And expressing, you know, yourself in that way. So people often find it really hard to understand because you've changed as well. Mm. It's what happens with grief is it's just so enormous when you have a, a huge loss. It, it kind of shatters your everyday world and changes everything. But other people, you know, their lives are still going and they really don't sort of understand what's happening for you at that time. And so often people withdraw and kind of close down a bit and shut down because of the, the suddenness and the trauma as well. 
Yes, absolutely. And and whilst our you know, friends and family can be hugely sympathetic and empathetic, it, it's um, it, it is different from watching from the outside. Is very different from, from going through it. That's right. That's yeah. right. And yet, family and friends are just so vital in terms of you know they make a big difference to the way that we do manage our grief. We need that support because. It's a very lonely place to be. It can be a very lonely place and people often feel really isolated. But often friends just don't know how to handle those intense feelings. They can be overwhelming for people to witness and, and sort of, you know, support you through that depth of distress. And they don't know what to say or how, you know, how to say things. They worry that they're going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. So that's really common, isn't it? And I think that, you know, if, if we have a friend, if we have someone that we love dearly who we can see is going through, you know, this, this massive um, stage, this, this thing that's just happened to them, we don't want to add to that. We don't want that to become even worse. But I think what, um, what we don't always understand as the friend watching on, we actually can't make it worse, can we? You can't really, you know. Well, I think some people do say some things that are not, not helpful. Yes. You now, we talk about platitudes and sometimes people say things that really sort of just don't hit the mark, you know, they, they, especially when it begins with at least. Yes. You no, know, at least this didn't happen or at least that didn't happen or, you know, at least at least they live to an old age, you know. They're, they're, they've had a good life, that kind of stuff. Yes, yeah. yeah that's a very good point. It's something we can all try and take out of our vocabulary when we, we're speaking with a bereaved person. Exactly. But, you know, what people really need, they need to be heard, listened to, understood and not judged. You know, just to be to have their feelings validated. So the best thing you can, you know, really do is to sit with someone and hear their story and help them to talk about what's happened. Even though they might be upset, they will eventually come out of that. If they're allowed to express that distress, you know, and have someone there with them, that listens to it and gets it, that's the best thing that you can do as a family or friend. Because I think Annie, um, and we're speaking with Annie Norris from Hope Bereavement, uh, who works with people in suicide bereavement. Annie, I think as a society we love to fix things and we love to come up with a solution, but there's no real solution when we're grieving. It's it's a very different um, way of being for us. We just need to just to be, don't we, and just to sit Absolutely. You know, that's, I think that's the, the struggle that people have. They, they want to fix it. They want to, you know, try and help that person to move out of it rather than just being present to it and sitting with that person, you know, and allowing them to be. So you're absolutely right, you know, the, allowing the person to sort of feel safe to express their grief and just to be in that moment. And it does change over time. That's what we know. We couldn't do this work if we sat with people that were distressed, you know, forever. Yes. And we know that grief is a process and it changes over time. And, you know, that's the, I guess, the the joy of doing this work at times is that we see people move through it and we see them get to a place where they are sort of more able to bear the pain that they're experiencing and they learn to live without that person. Yeah, yeah, so true. Live with their loss. And so, you know, it, it is something that changes over time. But in those early days... People don't often feel that it will change. They just kind of feel, you know, that it's going to feel like this forever. And I think it's so um, why it's so important that we're having these, you know, ongoing conversations um, with with you, uh, the bereavement counsellors at Hope Bereavement Services, because we we just get to. Um, 
uh, it's not something we talk about a lot. It's not something that we have um, the vocabulary around. So being able to have these conversations is is really key so that we can develop this and we can be, you know, um, building our capacity so that we can sit in things that are really hard. So thank you, thanks, Annie. I really appreciate you being here to be able to help us with that. That's okay. And I absolutely agree. I think that we have a lot to learn about it and the more we talk about it, the more that we all learn together. You know, we learn from people that have that lived experience as well. So, you know, so just just with family and friends, I think if they can provide practical support as well as being there and reaching out to people, don't expect people to contact you. Reach out and contact people by phone or send a card or, or drop in, you know, and see someone. It's really important. And the other thing is to acknowledge the important days and anniversaries, which I know we're going to talk about. Yes. Those important dates and, and talking about the person and their loved one and saying their name. Yes. Often people say to us that, you know, um, people find it really hard to actually say that person's name and, and talk about them. And that's so important to people who have lost somebody. And I think even um, sharing the stories, like, you know, you would sit around and you might reminisce about, you know, remember that time we went to Mildura and that family holiday and, and you know, and, and Bob fell in the river or whatever, like, you know, just the normalness, the normal yeah. stories that, that their loved one is included in. And, we'd, and we, we need to keep telling those stories and keep remembering and enjoying them in that way. That's right. And that's, that's what people often say is, is hard, is that people kind of don't talk about them and don't remember those good times and it's like they don't exist anymore. And, you know, we talk about this idea of continuing the bond with that person. Once upon a time, grief was sort of, you know, um, the way we sort of handle it was we wouldn't talk about them. We'd sort of, you know, at all. Um, and, you know, it was sort of never mentioned again and you expected to get over it, whereas what we say these days is you still have a relationship with that person even though they're not here. You still love them and you have a bond with them. So the more you talk about them, the more you include them in your life, the more you can be present to them as well. That's right. And even, you know, chatting with you now, Annie, I can I can feel emotion welling up, you know, um, and I'm sure there might be people listening who are feeling um, strong emotions coming through. And and I, I suppose my reaction is it's really normal. It's really normal to feel some emotions, even if it's empathetic because, you know, it's not your lived experience, but you're really feeling for other people that you're thinking about at the moment. What would you say if there's people listening and they've got some big emotions sort of starting to roll? Look, I think, as you say, it's really normal and it can often, when we start talking about grief and loss, it can start to activate people's feelings and emotions. Um, again, I think it's about, you know, trying to be present to that and allowing that emotion to, you know, to come up. Um, if they if they do feel that they need to speak to somebody, they might want to, you know, contact a family member or a friend or something like that after they hear this, mm. um, if it is bringing up something for them. Or the other thing that we also really encourage is, you know, to really look after yourself. You know, when you are feeling like this, it's really a sign to say, what can I do for myself right now that's going to help me to feel a little bit better in terms of my feelings and this distress? Yeah. Do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to, you know, do something nice for myself and, and just sort of practice some extra self-care, I guess. Yeah, and just a nice bit of cup of tea in the sunshine if, if you've got a moment to do that as, as opposed to, well, this feels different, I'm just going to push it down and push it away. That's right. Yeah. But if they do need to speak to somebody, it might be that they might 
think for the first time, I do actually need to speak to somebody about what I've experienced. Maybe I, it would be good to talk to someone. And the thing about grief counselling also is that it's not like therapy. It's really a conversation just like you and I are having today. It's a very normal conversation know to to really talk about that person and their what they're feeling but also talk about their loved one as well yeah a beautiful space for that so Annie let's have a chat about you know we're coming into this this season of celebration and and uh, I mean and celebrations happen really all throughout the year don't they we have you know anniversaries and birthdays and you know all sorts of things but you know in this lead up to Christmas Mm. what's the best way that we can be supporting our loved ones who are are dealing with grief um, or potentially you know for ourselves who might be sitting in that space I know that's a big that's a big question you might have to unpack it a little bit it's a big question but it's a really good question because I think for everybody it can be a very difficult stressful time so I guess the the thing that um we know from our experience and also my own personal experience as well and and many people that I've worked with over the years is that often um, the day itself, the anticipating the day and mm. leading up to that time can be worse than the actual day. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's what we fear about how we might be on the day and what we're going to experience beforehand that can be reactivated or triggered. And so um, it can be a really, you know, difficult time for, for everybody, particularly the first anniversary. But, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday and they were saying, you know, like every anniversary is really hard. What I've realised is that every anniversary is difficult. So every birthday is difficult. So I think knowing that too and, and preparing and maybe planning sometimes can be helpful. You know, you may want to decide what you're going to do on the day and talk to your family and friends and say, how about we do this? How about we go out for dinner or we, or we all get together and gather? If it's a birthday, sometimes people um, even make a cake and, and release balloons or, you know, special do special things like go to a special place, make a toast even, um, light a candle or, you know, do something like with children. You can make memory boxes and, and um, you know, um, do special kind of activities and things like that. So I think it's about marking the occasion, having something to to you know that you've planned. But also, if you do get to the day and you actually think, you know what, I just can't do anything today. I'm just going to stay in bed. It's also okay to change your mind. I'm so glad you said that, Annie, because um, that, that having people or going out for dinner or having a celebration or doing something can can sometimes feel really tough, really hard on on when it comes to it. So I'm really glad you said that it's okay to change your mind. Mm. And the main thing is that you know that there is no right or wrong way to mark the day. Again, it's about our expectations and other people's expectations. But if you actually get to that day and think, I can't do anything, this is too hard, and particularly you know, leading up to that day, if it's been very stressful and there's been lots of emotional sort of responses and triggers, you might just feel exhausted. Yes. So it's about having some control over it and some decision over it and also making sure that you're taking care of yourself. And for family and, and friends, that's what's really important, I guess, is to support that person in whatever it is that they want to do and make a decision together that feels right for everybody. Yes, because, um, and, and it's not about, well, they said last week they really wanted to release those balloons off the pier because it was really important. We, we, she needs to push through that, just get out there and she'll feel so much better for it. So what you're saying is right. listen, listen in, tune in and and, and uh, get the measure and the, the yeah, engage how that your loved one is feeling and, and um, take your lead from that. 
Exactly. Ask them because it's important that they're in control of that decision. There's nothing worse than feeling like other people are expecting you to do something when you don't really want to do it. Yes. And when you're feeling very emotional and, you know, as hard as it is on the day. So, you know, sometimes people will make plans and then they might do something different, you know, as well. You know, again, it, it just really depends on how you feel on the day and what you decide is important for, for you. And I, and I know um, in the lead up to our first Christmas without our son, um, I was really worried about getting it right, that I needed to um, do it properly the first time so that I would do it properly every time after that. Right. And um, the one piece of advice that I got given, which was just um, lovely, uh, was from my grief counsellor, who said, um, it's okay to change. So if you start doing something on an on a anniversary or, or, or Christmas, if you, you know, the first year you buy a blue teddy and then the next year you buy a blue teddy and then the next year after that you decide not to buy a blue teddy, like you can always change your, your ritual or your, your way of remembering. And she just said to me, you're not going to be an old lady surrounded by blue teddies. You know, I, I sort of had this this vision of if I start this, what if I don't want to continue? And and is that a bad? Is that bad? You know, for for um, you know, I'm not honouring his memory like I should. You know, those sort of feelings. Yeah, that's absolutely right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, change change it. You may change it every year, but you may also change it on the day too. You may just say on the day, I don't want to do this anymore. You know. Um, but also, you you know, you may have worked after that and had it planned, and then you may wake up and think, no, nope, I'm not doing that. That plan's gone out the window. We're going to do something different. I guess sometimes people think it's a good idea to do, you know, particularly with Christmas coming up. Sometimes people say, you know, I'd rather not have what we used to do because that's going to highlight the fact that they're, they're not here, here yes. even more. So let's do something different. Let's think about maybe we'll go and have a picnic in the park instead of having the traditional Christmas dinner or having things exactly the way that they were. You know, so sometimes it's really helpful, particularly with Christmas and other sort of, you know, big occasions like that, is just to do it a little bit differently, you know, and, and work out a way that you can also include them there. You know, have them be present in some way. And it may be about making a toast or having, even having their photo on a picture on the table and lighting a candle. But think about how you might, you know, sometimes even wearing things. I know, I know for myself, you know, when my brother passed away, the next Christmas I wore his lime green shiny shirt to the Christmas dinner and everyone was like, oh my God, you've got his shirt on, you know. And it was fantastic. Yes. It was a topic of conversation and we talked about him all day. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that kind of thing is really important. And so I suppose what we're saying today, Annie, is in, in the being really aware of yourself and, and, and uh, or if you're supporting a loved one, best being aware of them in the lead up to the event because that can be, as you said earlier, more stressful potentially or, or stressing um, and also just being open to the changes, changes fine and, and really feeling into what feels good on the day. And making sure that you're doing what you want to do, that you have some say over it and you're not doing what you think everybody else wants you to do. Because, you know, once you actually get to that day, often it just feels like even though you've made it out to sort of be this, you know, it could be really huge and it's going to be a really hard day. Sometimes when you get there, it's actually no different to every other hard day. Yeah. And so once you're there... You sort of arrived, and it, it it can feel quite different as well, and it can actually feel okay, you know, because you know that you're going to survive it. Because I think you think you're not going to get through it, and you do. You do. You no, know? that's but right. Especially with the support of your family and friends. 
Lovely. Annie, thank you so much for taking the time to be able to chat with us um, this morning. Annie Norris, we've been speaking to, who is a bereavement counsellor with Hope Bereavement Services here in Geelong. Um, and I really appreciate your time. And Annie, would you come back maybe in a couple more months and have another chat with us again? I'd love to, Loretta. Thanks so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much.